Welcome to Seek Reality with Roberta Grimes. Joyous conversations about what the afterlife evidence and modern science combine to tell us is true about our one reality. You have nothing to fear. You are eternal and you are perfectly loved. Knowing the truth changes everything. Now, here's Roberta. Welcome to Seek Reality. I'm Roberta Grimes and I'm so glad you're with us today. Now, as you can imagine, I read a lot of books. I try to read every book we ever talk about on Seek Reality, although some of them are long. I sometimes have to skim a little bit of those books. But I spend a lot of time reading books. And I have to say, only a handful of them ever seem to stick in my mind. Our guest today is the author of one such special book. Paula Lenz's brother, Don, died in an auto accident in the fall of 1983, which is now, of course, more than 37 years ago. Paula finally wrote about her brother's loss in 2017, and in 2018, I participated in an event in Boulder, Colorado, where Paula talked about her new book about her brother's death and its aftermath. It's called Driving into Infinity, Living with My Brother's Spirit. Paula was only 30 years old on the morning when her brother, Donnie, four years younger, 26 years old, failed to stop at a rural Texas railroad crossing. His truck collided with the engine of a train, and that was the end of that. Actually, though, it was just the beginning, wasn't it, Paula? Paula's book is about the loss of a much-beloved brother, but and even 30 years later, you can, if you write about it, you can hear the grief. But her book at the same time is light and joyous, and it's hard to describe how you do that. I'm not sure I could, but she does. And the reason she's able to do it is that Paula knows for certain that Donnie survives. Her story is about overcoming her loss and becoming a deeply spiritual being, and it is so touching that the feel of it has remained in my mind, really, for the past two and a half years until I just read it again. And I thought that if it has affected me that way, then there probably are others in our little family that have have had the same effect from this book. And I thought it would be good to know what's new. So I contacted Paula and said, hey, what's new? And it turned out a lot was new in her life. So I have asked her to join us again today. Paula Lenz holds a Bachelor of Arts degree from Sam Houston State University. And she's been a high school English teacher, a partner in a woman-owned business, and the national manager of a worldwide engineering firm. She's done a lot of public speaking, both to business organizations and to groups that are especially interested in the afterlife and also in spiritually transformative experiences like NDEs. And just wait till you hear about her experience, which I think is wonderful. We're going to I'll read the whole thing to you as part of this interview. Paula, welcome. I'm so glad you're here. Thank you, Roberta. It's just wonderful to be on your show. (laughs) <laughs> we have we do have fun, don't we? Your your story yes. is a is is beautiful evidence that life and love really are eternal. I mean, not all great experiences are fun, frankly, to have, but you have had some great experiences as a gift from your brother, and I'd like to talk a little bit about those. But first, let's talk about talk about Donnie. Tell us about him. You were very close as children, right? Yes. Uh- as you mentioned, he was four years uh, younger than me, and I do have a sister who's 10 years younger, but essentially uh, the years of my growing up uh, were obviously you know, closer uh, with my brother Donnie. We, we always had, even uh, when we were grown, as you mentioned, I was 30 at the, at the time of his death, and he was 26, 
but we, you know, we continued to have a really uh, wonderful relationship. And so this, uh, this event was, it was something that just took me a very long time to, I won't say get over, but to um, get that into my life, my time frame, and realize that for me, it was going to have to be the new normal. But as you said, in terms of the experience that I had, uh, you mentioned, you know, about my brother's accident. And the thing of it is, I, or a year before his accident, I began to have this recurring dream. And so that would have been in the fall of 1982. And this dream was always the same, uh, where I was outside on these wide, expansive fields, and someone near me asked what was happening. And I replied that I had heard it was the end of the world. And everyone was looking up at the sky, and there appeared Jesus. And in that moment, I doubled over, almost falling down to the ground. And I was experiencing the worst pain of my life. But it was not physical pain. It was heartfelt suffering and agony beyond words. And as I doubled over, I kept saying, but it isn't supposed to be this way. I thought the end of the world was supposed to be joyous. Oh, yes. And then the dream would suddenly end. I had no idea what this dream meant. But as I said, I continued to have it for the next year. So now I fast forward to the morning of Friday, October the 7th, 1983. And that morning I was driving my husband to a meeting. And as I was driving, I suddenly had a very strange, sharp pain in my chest around my heart area. I remember glancing at the car clock to determine how much time we had left to get um, my husband to his meeting, and it read 9 a.m. And although I didn't say anything to my husband, I was experiencing fear and alarm at this continued pain in my heart area. I was only 30 years old, but I wondered if I could be on my way to a heart attack or a blood clot. And as I continued driving, though, Eventually, the pain began to fade away, but I could not forget about it. I was quite frightened by that episode. That was when his truck collided with a train. That was the moment of his death. You had that that pain, right? That's exactly right. At 9 a.m. that morning. Wow, that is so amazing. So then it happened. And you ha- he, he, he died, and you described the funeral. You described somehow getting through it. But um, you're, you're, obviously, you were very close to him. Obviously, this was a terrible experience. But what I want to talk about is your STE. Because I want to make sure we have time to do that and then talk about some of the other things, too. Because um, 
many people know about near-death experiences, right? I mean, that's sort of a standard thing. But what they don't know is that there are many different kinds of spiritually transformative experiences. And they tend always to have the same kind of effect we think comes from an NDE. They're spiritually transformational. I mean, the reason I'm doing this work now is when I had one at 8 and one at 20. And without those experiences, both of them, I wouldn't be here today doing this work. So that's how much they transform you. And I would, would, I would like to read this to, the, to the, the audience because I think people really need to hear about what happened to you and what it means. Is that all right? Do, do you mind if I read it? Absolutely. You're driving your car, for heaven's sake. And this is three days after his funeral. You're driving. And then I suddenly developed 360-degree vision. I could see everywhere in all directions as I was driving. Now, many people don't know why that's significant. The reason it's significant is that we have something called mind sight, which is much stronger than physical vision. Mind sight is just about 360 degrees, and it's how we see when we're in the afterlife. So her, this tells us she was already out of her body. She was developed, she had developed 360 degree vision. At that moment, I became aware of someone just behind me on my right side with his hand on my shoulder. Then I saw that it was Donnie and I could hear him speaking to me telepathically. Again, we talk telepathically when we're in the, when we're in the afterlife. This is absolutely true. This really did happen. Donnie's voice was made up of a series of light points reminding me of people transported on Star Trek as they were beamed away. So originally, the, he, he was light points to you. Did you ever see him as a real person uh, physically? No. Um, I mean, I could see his features of who he was, but it was as though he were surrounded and part of this, um, you know, these points of light. Oh, that's so beautiful. And wow. Okay. Even so, when I left my body, yeah, he was still that way. I, I could tell it was him, but he had these points of light. See, everyone, we are made up of energy. We are actually, all of us are light beings, and she's seeing her, her brother as a light being. He told me not to be sad, that he was happy, and that he wanted me to know what life was like for him now. He explained to me that he was on another plane of being, and it simply had been time for him to leave. Now, again, here's another point I want to make. Many people think, oh, he died too young. He, he made it clear right away to Paula that was his time to go. Now, we don't know why, but um, there, there are no accidents. There are, we're told that there really are no mistakes at all. Right. So he said it was time for him to leave. At this point, I became aware that I was no longer in my body, but existed only in a state of consciousness. I was no longer aware of driving at all. Instead, I saw a landscape very briefly, which I could only describe as outlines of some trees and countryside. After that, my entire focus was on experiencing infinity, eternity. Throughout the experience, my brother stayed with me. With no body restricting me any longer, I felt I was one with the universe and totally one with peace, with love, with all knowledge in the universe. The phrase came to me of the peace that pathes all understanding. And that's, of course, in the Bible. It's in Philippians 4.7. 
But I wasn't just thinking about peace, love, and knowledge. I had actually become all of these. And I knew that everything and everyone is one with the spirit of universal love. Love is the all-encompassing, caring, and creative element of the universe. I understood that there was no separation of anything from this all-encompassing spirit or God. All we have to do is open up to spirit, allowing this supreme consciousness and love into our own consciousness. Everything and everyone is the spirit of universal love and everything and everyone is connected throughout the entire universe. I wish I could read that again, but it would take too much time. It's important to understand that what she describes here is the actual essence of what it feels like to go through a spiritually transformative experience. It expands our consciousness unbelievably. And she says here now, I loved being in this state of total consciousness, this freedom. I didn't care one thing about going back to my body, my life. This was the natural state of being. Say that again. This was the natural state of being for me. She didn't want to do anything else, but suddenly it, the experience began to end. And then she felt her brother's hand or her spirit, his spirit pushing down on her shoulder area associated with her physical form. And Donnie said, no, you can't go yet. It isn't your time. Instantly, she says, I landed on my physical body with a thud. And she, it turned out she'd even made a turn. Her body had gone on driving the road just fine. And, but she thinks this lasted, you know, for, for a few minutes she w was going through this. And, and yet her body just kept on driving. I think that is one of the best descriptions of a spiritually transformative experience that I have ever read, simply because it's unique to her. It's what she needed right then. It was a sh it's actually, I would call it a shared uh, uh, death experience with Donnie because he has not completely finished his transition, loves his sister, wants to reassure and comfort her, and he gave her this extraordinary experience. Now, t can you tell us, Paula, what, what was, what, how did you feel right after it? Did it, did it change the way you were at all to other people? Or what, what, was, what, what was the aftermath of that? Well, for the rest of that day, um, I was really happy. And it was almost as though I were inside this glow of what I had experienced. Um, you have to understand that I was on my way to my grandparents' house taking them funeral flowers. So after I returned to my body, and I'm just... Um, like I said, it, it was almost like I was just in this glow of thinking about and knowing what I had just experienced uh, with my brother. And when I got to my grandparents' house, it was as though I could see how my brother saw us from his viewpoint, that I could see how devastated my grandparents were and grieving. And yet I was feeling totally okay in this bubble of what I had just experienced. But that being the case, I did not say anything to them uh, about what I had, had just gone through. And so I continued in that state uh, for the rest of the day. But the next day, it was almost as though, you know, the reality of everyday living came back full force. And I realized that, you know, what I was looking at now was living the rest of my life now 
without my brother here on earth with me. And for me, that was just still devastating, even though I knew he was okay. I knew what it was like for him. But for myself, it was this empty space in the life in which I now had to live. And so I did continue to have grief about that for a long time. And yet I still knew that what I had experienced had changed my consciousness. You know, when I came back and, as I said, began to have to uh, go back to my life and um, live every day, go to work and do all these things, still I realized how much my consciousness had been changed because I could never look at life the same. And so I began to, after having had this changed consciousness, I began to have what I call these after effects. And so immediately following my experience, um, I began to be able to hear people's thoughts sometimes as they like walked into a room. But I also noticed that street lights would go out in, in the evening if I were driving as I passed by them. And then as I drove past, they would come back on. Or even if I were walking through the neighborhood in the evening, the same thing would happen. Street lights would go out as I okay, people are past, you know, by them. This, this is something which is fairly common, actually, for people who, whose consciousness is elevated. Um, I've heard other stories of it, too. There are some people who, um, who simply, uh, they, they go near a street lamp and it goes out. Or it comes on. Yeah. And I used to think that's not possible, but I've seen, it, I've heard it enough that, so that was more evidence that you had been affected substantially at the area of, of your consciousness. Isn't that wonderful? Wow. Exactly. So that was one of the, you know, some of the things that I experienced. But also I, I, be, I learned to see people's auras. I had a particularly astonishing aura experience with a friend of mine where she actually worked for me and she came into my office. Uh, she had just come back from a doctor's appointment and she had been having some issues. And as she is sitting at my, at, uh, in front of my desk, suddenly I see this giant purple aura develop around her. And it was just the most amazing thing I had ever and at the time that started happening with this aura I was seeing, my eyes began to water, just streaming down my face. And I looked at her. She was sitting there talking to me about, you know, having gone to the doctor. And I said, I don't know what's happening here, but you're going to have to leave my office. I said, I don't know what's happening here. <laughs> and as soon as she walked out of my office, um, then all of those impacts uh, stopped. And I told her, I said, you know, call me from your office. And, but as soon as I picked up the phone and started talking to her, even over the phone, this energy just started all over again coming through. My eyes started streaming. 
I just, I was trying to figure out what was going on. But what happened was this friend of mine, she became uh, this healer. And the, that day that I saw this giant purple aura come in around her was the day she started getting her healing powers, her ability to heal. Oh, others. wow. Isn't that amazing? Wow. And okay, it so- was one, one of the most amazing experiences of, me, of mine in terms of actually feeling and seeing energies wow. um, come in through her. So, uh, you know, but I also had uh, a voice that would give me guidance about things uh, for example. Can I just ask you a question about auras? Because this is something people hear about, but they don't, most of, most people can't see an aura. Um, but what does it look like to you? Does it look like they're giving off a light? The body is giving off a light? Or how does an aura look to you? The aura looks like... And I can see my own aura too in the mirror, and you know it it does it can and does change colors. Uh, it can, but uh, to me it just looks like a glowing kind of light around you, and you know whether that's purple or it's a yellow color or just bright white. Even um, it, it just looks like a glow around you. And I should just I should I just actually, say parenthetically, if you want to see someone's aura, I'm told if there's a white wall, is this true? If there's a, a light, very light colored wall they can stand against and you make your eyes kind of go off focus, you can sometimes see it, the light around people. Is that true? I mean, I don't even, how would you suggest people try to see auras? That is absolutely true, what you just described. You can, as you say, kind of let your eyes go out of focus and... You know, initially, you can manage to see a bright white light around yourself, your body, and then usually there's additional color then that will come in and can it can actually kind of bounce around is what I say. You know, from one side to the other, you can sometimes these colors kind of jump around or, you know, be above your head. But you can definitely, I think, I think anyone can learn to see auras and the color around, at the very least, the bright white around your own body. Um, so, so these colors mean things spiritually. It, they, mean, they mean something, right? Different colors mean different things about the state of us, our spiritual state, for example. Is that right? Yes, exactly. And, you know, there are books out there that you can get that do describe the different colors and potentially what that can mean. But I know that, um, for example, one of the things I've discovered too is if you're feeling sick or, uh, you know, if you're just not feeling well, a lot of times the color around your body can be uh, what I call uh, somewhat muddy looking. And... Huh. Um, and that that can be an indication that you know there's some something that's blocking um, the higher level of energy of that color. In fact, this same woman I was talking about, who I saw the the bright purple around her, uh, prior to that, when she was having a lot of uh, illness problems, um, that is what I saw around her. 
um, I saw this muddy color in her aura around her. And, you know, as I said, after she had gone to the doctor and she had begun doing some things to, to get these issues cleared up, that was when I saw this bright purple come in. But then, as I said, then she became an actual healer. Uh, but I know even with my own aura, I mean, I read my aura all the time. And um, it, it can be an indicator of some other things going on in your body. So people now are wondering, well, what the heck is the aura about? Where does it come from? We are built very much, you've, you, might, you know those Russian nested dolls, Matryoshka dolls, I think they're called? That's how we're built. Uh-huh. We are, we are a, a group of nests energy bodies and one of them is happens to be vibrating at the same uh, rate as matter on earth and that's why we can see it we think that's solid it's not of course any more solid than than air is solid but um but in point of fact what the the aura is related to the fact that you are energy bodies inside you it's it's part of the whole energy body system and um it is that's all I know about it to tell you the truth. Maybe you know more than I do because this is an area where you work. But um, I, I just think it's amazing and wonderful um, that there is this power in each of us. We don't even understand that it's there and it is visible and it's quite amazing. How would you describe when people say, what the, what's an aura, Paula? What do, you, what do you say to them? Well, I describe it as the body's energy field. And that energy field, as I say, can reflect, um, well, first of all, you're going to see the white. There's always, a, whether it's, it's very small or larger, there is a white field around your initial body, right, close to your body. But looking beyond that, if you continue to look, as I said, you will be able to see a color, maybe one other color. You might see a couple of colors kind of dancing around. But again, those colors can indicate uh, your your energy and you know where it may be focused that day, because it, your aura can change really from day to day. We're just starting into this field, and it's exciting to learn more about it. But it is definitely real. So you you were you had. That experience, like so many other people spiritually transformed and dealing with the fact that he just wasn't in your life anymore, which is really kind of awful. But on the other hand, he kept giving you signs, right, and communicating with you. Yes, that's correct. Um, for example, I saw him one day in my living room, but it was just for an instant but oddly enough, it was he was standing in the living room and he was looking at our stereo cabinet. <laughs> he had stayed wow, why? Uh, one summer. And so he wasn't looking at me, and it was just for an instant I saw him. But he looked like he did, when obviously, when he was living on Earth. Uh, so that was pretty interesting. I was, certainly wasn't expecting yeah. that. But that's really the only... only um, time I saw him per se. Everything else that's happened related to, for example, there used to be a chair at our dining room table that many times when I would come home from work, that chair at the dining room table would be pulled out. And this was a chair he sat in 
when he stayed with us one summer and was working in Houston. And for as long as we continued to live in that house, um, you know, every week, once or twice a week, I would come home and that chair would be pulled out. Uh, There was also an instant when my husband and I were uh, sitting together in our TV room and there were some bookcases in there and the bookcase shelving was very deep and we had any number of books and things and uh, and videos from traveling and things of that nature. And we're watching TV and all of a sudden from the topmost shelf, this video flew out halfway across the room and landed right at our feet. And my husband and I turned and looked at each other with eyes really big and like, what just happened here? What the heck is that? Right. But, you know, I think that that was meant for my husband because when Donnie lived with us that one summer, uh, they used to get the video camera out and and they videoed these crazy, crazy things. And that's what they used to do. So I think that was really a message to my husband. But, um, yeah, just things like that. And sometimes one day I came home from work and in the hallway, there was a bookcase, built-in bookcase. And from the bottommost shelf, a book had flown across the hallway and was lying against the, the far wall there. And when I picked up this book, it was an old encyclopedia uh, book and it was the volume D. And of course, my brother's name was Don. Oh, and that you nice. could see that it had flown out from the bottom shelf straight across the hallway. So, and we had, you know, many things like that happen. Another day, I came home and there, in our master bedroom, there uh, we had a desk in there with a chair. And I came home one day from work and was getting ready to walk into the bedroom, and a chair had been placed right in the middle of the doorway to go into the bedroom. Right. And I was really scared. I thought someone was in the house, and I ran outside for a while, but then I realized that there was no one in there. I moved the chair, and so I knew then that he had somehow energetically placed that chair in the doorway. And my dad and his wife, after my brother died, they used to tell me that they would hear at night their microwave buttons going off in the kitchen. And my brother used to go by their house and, you know, help himself to food and whatever. And he would do that, heat up food in there. That's the kind of thing, everyone, that had happened fairly commonly because uh, people, when they've left their bodies, are energy beings. So they mess with electricity a lot, a really lot. So, all right. So that's wonderful. So he has stayed as part of your life. The grief you can't get past. I mean, having someone suddenly gone from your life physically is very hard. But um, you've handled this obviously very well. But I want to talk about this mist technique because that's something that we you told me a little about, and I'm just anxious to hear. You've developed a, a methodology that you call being the oneness of spirit, which is the experience you had when you were, were um, when you had your spiritually transformative experience. You call it meld into the spirit technique or mist. Talk about that. When I am out walking around or even just sitting in my office or, uh, you know, wherever, 
I have found that, you know, I, I go to my heart center and uh, focus there on spiritual energy and my heart uh, glows and I just envision as I'm looking around wherever I am, I envision everything around me just uh, becoming more and more just like sparkles of light, like energy, like bright white energy. Uh, Whether I'm outside and I see houses and trees in the sky, I just see that becoming more and more as though everything becomes one. Everything turns into uh, these bits of light and into white light until that's all I see in my mind's eye is that everything is blended together, I'll say. And that, again, with my heart center where my energy is focused and I feel that oneness again that I experienced when I had my the experience with my brother. It's as though everything just melds into each other and it's all about that that love and that heart center energy that we all are and that everything is. And I find that that helps to elevate my frequency and vibration and just gives me that sense of oneness again instead of seeing everything separate. Right, that's beautiful. I recently took that idea and I had a a little video clip developed, which is only about a minute, 15 seconds. And I have provided with that. And so that, that is the image of, having everything become that blurring and particles of light. It kind of takes you through doing that visually. And as you're watching the video, there's a visualization wording that goes along with that that I developed. And so that clip then I uh, put into a brief workshop, which is 45 minutes long, and I developed that into a a video, as I said, that's available on um, my website and the blog, or it's also on YouTube if people do a search for meld into spirit technique, then it will bring up as the first listing there that video, which I said again is about 45 minutes long, and the video is embedded twice in there for you, for you to be able to practice seeing and doing this. But the other thing is I include information in there related to uh, different levels of consciousness to help people realize perhaps what level of consciousness are they usually operating from? So there's additional yes. information about that. Is this available on your um, website? Yes, because once you go to the website and then there's a blog tab, go to that and click on it there. Or as I said, it's also on YouTube, youtube.com, and then put in Meld into Spirit Technique. I'm really hopeful that this technique help people to 
connect with spirit through the heart. You know, the thing is, lots of people do meditations, and and I don't have anything against meditations. I've done those myself. But I wanted this to be something that could be done, you know, almost wherever you are and with your eyes open. You can walk around outside and you can accomplish this state of being Um, or even sitting at your desk, even if you're at your your office. You can take a few moments and you you can get to this state of being without necessarily having to go into a meditation type mode. When you meditate, it does affect your whole body, but it it's, it tends to be more brain-centered, um, more directly consciousness-centered, perhaps. But um, your heart is every bit as much a spiritual nexus as is uh, your brain or your mind, even as, as it's associated with your brain. So what you're doing is really kind of getting to the heart of the matter, so to speak, and helping people to become more spiritual very directly um, right from the heart. So that's beautiful. I'm so glad we shared that. And everyone, that'll be in the notes, so you'll, you won't have to wonder how you're going to get in touch with, uh, with her, what, what she's doing and with her, um, with her wonderful video. So we're, we're coming to, toward the end of our time. Uh, Paula, what do you want people to take from our conversation today? What I want them to understand is that our loved ones can be around us from time to time. It doesn't mean they're here all the time. Uh, but understand that they are alive and well on the other side. And they are experiencing this great universal love and this oneness, uh, of course, realizing I did not go on to what I call like the next level when I was out of body with my brother, but just the mere idea that we know that that our loved ones are okay, and, you know, if they so desire and want to, they can reach out to us in various ways, but we just have to be cognizant that that can happen and recognize some of these signs or things that may show up as having come from them to let us know sometimes that they're they're still around us they're doing they're doing well and the other thing is as you said this meld into spirit technique you know connecting at that level to help us be more aware on a daily basis of who and what we are and connecting in a different way with our lives and connecting through the heart and raising our frequency and vibration so that more uh, more things can come through to us on a daily basis. I think those yeah, are some very important points. I think they are too. That's quite beautiful. Thank you for that. And I'm so glad we got together again. This is we have to make it more frequently than once every two and a half years. But that, this has been lovely talking <laughs> with you today, Paula. Thank you so much for being with us. So we've Thank come to the end of our time. <laughs> Um, I, I, I think there's never enough time, and, and there are other things that I'm sure we, we ought to talk more about because I think that your story is very powerful for people, especially people who have lost a young loved one. 
Um, it's he obviously is as busy in your life as he ever was, but he's expanded his life as well. Love never never does end. Life is eternal, and I think that's the real message you bring us. Thank you. So everyone, this has been State Reality with Roberta Grimes, and I'm so glad you were with us today. Please never forget that you are a powerful, eternal being. You never begin and you never will end, as, as, as certainly Donnie could tell you, as Paula can tell you, and as anyone who's been through this sort of experience ends up being able to tell you. You never began and you never will end. And when you get what that means, it changes everything in your life for the better. Next week, we'll be talking with Betty J. Kovacs, who will be with us for the second time. Betty is a recognized expert on the spiritual aspects of consciousness. She has a Ph.D. from the University of California at Irvine, and she taught there for 25 years. She served for many years as chair and program chair in the board of directors of the Jung Society of Claremont in California. And she sits on the academic advisory board of the Forever Family Foundation. The last time she was with us, Betty talked about her wonderful book called Merchants of Light, The Consciousness That Is Changing the World. Next week, we're going to talk about her other book, which is called The Miracle of Death. There is nothing but life. Boy, that's right up our alley, isn't it? Please join us. This week, our guest has been Paula Lenz, who is also with us for the second time. Her life was changed forever when her younger brother, Don, died in an auto accident in 1983, and then she had what amounted to a shared death experience. We're we're starting more and more just to call these spiritually transformative experiences because, believe it or not, every one of them is unique. You can't put them into any kind of pigeonhole. Her book, which she wrote 30 years plus later, is called Driving into Infinity, Living with My Brother's Spirit. And I recommend it. I think what it does is to is to help you grasp how it's possible to be going through this anguish and still be profiting from the experience. Not every not every blessing is fun to receive, but, but there are many blessings as we go through this brief, tough lifetime. There are many blessings, like the early transition of her brother Don, to help help us to grow spiritually in so many ways and make it possible for us maybe to make this our last earth lifetime. I think it's important that this book gives you that feeling. Also, it's just plain uplifting. I, I really enjoy it. She talks there, too, about meld into spirit technique or mist, and in the program notes will be information about how you can try that yourself and see if it works for you. My dear friends, as the veil continues to thin, the veil between worlds, This kind of of lifetime that Paula is living is going to become more and more common. We all will be having these experiences. We all will be learning and growing and and realizing that we are, are much, much, much more spiritual beings than we ever, ever imagined. This kind of thing is really what is normal now. I hear from people all the time. I think by the time people reach middle age, almost everybody has had some sort of experience, whether they recognized it or not. And many people have recognized and grown from those experiences. So this is a a very, very exciting time to be alive. You can always contact me through the green contact block on robertagrimes.com. I do answer every email. If you enjoy our weekly conversations, please... Be aware that I blog on robertagrimes.com every week, and the blog posts are, are available every Sunday morning. It's become a wonderful thing, really. There's a, there are a lot of people who just come there and read 
Some of them leave comments. Some of them, a lot of people just send me an email and talk about what I wrote. But I'm coming to think of it as other people have begun to tell me it is, which is a kind of ministry. There are many people now who are seekers. There are many people who um, have fallen away from a traditional religion, but they still are seeking God. They still love Jesus. And and those are the people that, that I think most benefit from my blog posts. Meanwhile, this has been Seek Reality with Roberta Grimes. Please enjoy and make the most of this coming week in our one reality, knowing that you are a powerful, eternal being, and you, most of all, you are infinitely loved. You've been listening to Seek Reality with Roberta Grimes. Roberta blogs and answers questions at robertagrimes.com. Join us every week as we explore what the afterlife evidence and modern science combine to tell us is true about the one reality we all share. Knowing the truth changes everything.